1: Thanks to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast.
0: Well, hey everybody! Welcome to the online Brave Maker experience. My name is Tony Gapastone. I don't hear you. Oh, I hear you. You need a refresh. Christina sometimes has things me. with her. She sometimes has things with her um, her computer, there so I- she's gonna refresh, and I, I will do <laughs> I will do the the intro. Sometimes when we show a, a clip or something, it cuts her off. No idea why. But I'm Tony Gapasone. Welcome to the Brave Maker online experience and the Brave Maker podcast. We wanna say a shout out to our sponsor, the Redwood City Parks and Arts Foundation. Without their help, we can't do this work. We're grateful that you're following us. If you're watching us live or on the replay, welcome, welcome, welcome. Now, Christina, can you hear me? Yes, we're good. Christina, give a little shout out. I just did the the intro and the sponsor, thank you. I gotta undo her
1: yeah <laughs> go ahead Get this together hey everybody so glad to be back what's going on Tony
0: so today I am holding um, all of my most recent subscriptions to variety magazine these are what we call <laughs> these are what we call in the the industry the trades it's all the articles and the deals and the interviews and all the things that are hot and what is happening and we are really excited today that we get to have one of Variety's newest staff members, Mm. Clayton Davis.
1: Yeah, welcome Clayton.
0: Hey friends, how are you? Good. Thanks for being here Clayton. So Clayton, we were just chatting with Clayton uh, before everything started. And he said he's like the very first person of color to hold this job in any publication in the entertainment trade area, which is really huge Uh, as an awards editor He basically came up on his own and started writing and critiquing films and then got a call in July and boom, here he is. So we want to dig in because we love film and TV. Our whole thing is we believe stories have the power to change culture. That's what Brave Maker is all about. So, yeah, why don't you just give us a little intro and tell us kind of how this started, how this journey, your story started.
2: Uh, Yeah. So uh, I'm uh, East Coast, born and bred, uh, born in the Bronx, Uh, lived here. I live in Jersey City now, which is right across. Uh, across the river, um, but yeah, like I love movies my whole life. Uh, one thing I'm very passionate about is uh, diversity and inclusion, but not just uh, on screen. But that bleeds into all facets of entertainment. Uh, when I was younger, the one I used to say, you know, when you're five years old, and you're in kindergarten, you say, "Hey, I want to be a, I want to be something when I grow up," and you pick like the most luxurious, most cool job you can think of. I said I wanted to be an actor. Because that was the only thing I could associate with film, because I could see an actor on screen. Uh, I grew up in a pretty poor neighborhood in the Bronx. Didn't uh, have a lot of access or uh, exposure to to different films and movies. Uh, you know, I did. I did like you know the pop culture wise, but like you know. Like I, like one of uh, ongoing joke uh that not joke it's, it's true but I saw Star Wars backwards I saw Return of the Jedi first and then watched it backwards and I was like five and six and my family didn't know better so like I get to Empire Strikes Back like, Luke I'm your father I'm like yeah I know that already like why is this such a big deal It got ruined for me for all time um, but yeah so th- yeah I, like I didn't know what a cinematographer was until like I got to college you know I was I, I didn't even know I wanted to be a writer until after college because. You know, you just don't get a lot of exposure to that. But once I started getting into it, I like, you know, I I wrote for a a guy for a few years, started my own uh, blog, wrote for that for 12 years, which was like 36 and Internet years. Uh, And then this past July, got tapped by a variety. I love the Oscars. I love uh, awards. And I know um, it's very interesting to say that you love those things, especially when you're an advocate for cultural uh, identities and diversity, and we don't get a lot of that sometimes. I don't blame the academy for that. That's they can't vote for what's not there. So that's what I've been uh, kind of doing. And at variety, I you know, I came in, I came in swinging. Uh, Oscars made their big uh, that uh, uh, announcement for representation and inclusion, like literally day four of me being here. You know, like the, the Sunday before, I, I was supposed to start on the first. The Sunday before I started, that's when we lost Chadwick Bozeman. That was my first piece for Variety. was writing about Chadwick Bozeman. and then I was scurry. I was like looking through the internet uh, for like you know Chadwick Bozeman pieces. weren't a lot written by uh, by black uh, writers because we're we're not we're very uh, small pocket or any person of color rather small pocket of the uh, journalism industry. So cultural, the diversity uh, part is. My thing for all parts of entertainment: gotta have great stuff happening on screen uh, that I can see. Gotta have diversity behind the screen—women, uh, people of color—and then you need people of color to cover those films. Um, got very few people of color in the industry, but they have a lot of white publicists, and they don't get them over to us, you know, the way we want so, or the way we we the way they should. So it, it bleeds into all, all things.
1: Clayton, can you tell us a little bit more about your ethnic background and how that has shaped the way you've paved your own way?
2: Sure. Um, so my, uh, my mom's Puerto Rican, uh, you know, born, born in Loisa, Puerto Rico. And then, uh, my dad's black and growing up, uh, I, I had a lot of, uh, you know, my cultural uh, identity has been something that I struggled with my, my whole <laughs> life. Um, there's always been like this cultural amb- ambiguity to me when people see me on the street, I-, I joke around and I say that, you know, people see me and they're like, not quite sure. And even my name like drops, like, you're not sure what's going to, Walked through the door and then the wire came out, and then it kind of ruined that forever because people started calling me Senator Clayton Davis and stuff. Somebody so, said, I,
0: I said something about your name, and someone I haven't watched the the wire, I feel super bad about that. But someone dropped one of the catchphrases that that character always said. Yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I'm like, oh,
2: I didn't know we could curse you, so I do not want to curse, but yeah, 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 do, all yeah. The time, literally all the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I grew up in the Bronx. I grew up in a when I was in the Bronx, we lived in a predominantly black neighborhood. I'm half black, uh, but I'm not dark skin, so I wasn't black enough for the black people. Moved to Jersey City when I was close. I was like nine or ten years, uh, eight, eight or nine years old. Moved to Jersey. Uh, moved into a predominantly uh, Hispanic neighborhood. Uh, a, lot, a lot of Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, uh, uh, Colombians. Uh, but I don't. But I didn't speak Spanish. I don't, I don't speak Spanish fluently. So I wasn't Puerto Rican enough for the Puerto Rican people not white, so I'm not white enough for the white people. So a lot of that, like, took a toll, like, you know, trying to, like, figure yourself out. And because you have this cultural ambiguity, you know, like, I I told people, like, I, I fight for equality, but I know that I've benefited uh, from that ambiguity walking into job interviews, you know, when I was working in the corporate world, you know, because people, I feel like people were like, yeah, I'm not quite sure, so we'll see what happens and see how, uh, how this pans out. But, but, but I'm not quiet about it. if you ask me, I will tell you wh- where I'm from. But that's just how my kind of culture has uh, bled into kind of me following the awards game and then being able to have a dog in the fight in all pockets, you know, fight fight for black men and women, fight for Latinos and Latinx
0: and uh, Asians as well. Like we we're all in this together. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. It's something that, you know, for me as a white dude who started this organization, because I recognize that i had blind spots mm-hmm. i needed to learn and my ignorance and you know and my silence on these issues even as a filmmaker one of my very first learning experiences was recognizing how i wrote a story or my very first screenplay and how the the hero was a white person and someone said, this first doesn't have to be white, you know? And that got me Loretta Divine to star in my first film, which was super beautiful. But I am like guilty of the the ignorance, right? That just kind of comes without having these conversations, without being able to listen and ask. So we appreciate that. That's something yeah. super important for us. Well,
2: well, well, well so let, me, let me tell you, I like, I, I appreciate hearing you, you know, speak about it and like, you know, kind of, this whole this kind of conversation that has built around white privilege mm-hmm. has really become obviously very toxic, uh, in and what it means and how people interpret it. You know, when I when I talk about white privilege to, you know, certain people, uh, and, and then they're white, they automatically uh associate that with me devaluing every uh mm-hmm. obstacle that they've gone through in their life. They think i am saying that you've had it easy. They never like like, no, it's like no one's saying you had it easy. We're talking about what obstacles you needed to get around in order to get to where you need to get. And one of those obstacles was not the color of your skin. And and Tony is really good that you, you, you see that and, and say that. And I think one of the great things in the industry, Regina King said it recently. Um, you know, we want to get to a place in Hollywood. Like there are tons of movies like Jordan Peele's Us. And I just thought of that right now because I'm wearing the hoodie right now. But Jordan Peele's Us, you know, isn't written as a Black family. Like, it's not said that it's a Black family. There just happens to be a Black family. Um, Now, with that said, it it obviously takes on new meaning when you see different uh, people of uh, ethnicities and backgrounds in different roles. But, you know, Regina King said, you know, we love to get into a place where, you know, we, we do a movie. And then, like... It doesn't have to be a white person. It could just be anything. Like there, you know, I think a movie like History of Violence from like two thousand five, like that that could easily have been an Asian family. It doesn't matter. Just is what it is. And I I think we need to get to that kind of that place. I always I always mute myself yes, because Christina, I'm always Christina, like Christina, like, Christina I'm always... like bled it onto you just get that juju <laughs> muting.
0: I'm always drinking. So sometimes I'll go back and listen to the recording and you'll hear my sloshing and it sounds like I'm a drunk. Yeah. So I always like, uh, <laughs> you myself. Anyways, I'm gonna pass it to you, Christina. But before I do that, like one of the things that we started Brave Maker for is we wanted to, uh, like, like you know, I'm the, I'm the white guy who recognizes like, it's been hard for me to get in the industry. Like it's been hard for me to make stuff. Yeah. But you know, like you said, it hasn't been about my skin color. So add that on top of, how hard it is to make it in this industry. I was like, we need, I want to pave a way. And some of the thing, I think a lot of white people we have to get better at doing is can we step back? Can we recognize, yeah, we do have stories to tell, but we've been telling our stories for a long time and maybe we can partner with someone else. I always tell Christina, I'll, I'll hang on her coattails. I'll do whatever I can to see her stories get out because I know I'll, I'll benefit. It'll feel satisfying, but I want to see her stories, her, her, um, comic book and action animated show get out in the world that's another story but christina what questions do you have i'll pass it to you
1: sony i'd love for you to hang on cape tales. Oh, That'll be amazing. your
0: cape your cape tails i love that not coattails yeah. yeah
1: i want to go back to what clayton said about the academy they can't vote on what's not there so definitely encourage people of color to keep creating keep putting our work out there and for Clayton, what we are in a very challenging and very exciting time for people of color and entertainment, and just in general. What are you loving? What are the highs of your work now?
2: Oh my God! I mean, whew, I mean, listen. I, I know we're making like I I'm, I liked I listen like I, I try to live as a glass half full kind of kind of guy, um, which which does always which it's very difficult. I say I said a very lax like you know just like oh yeah I do, but it's it's really hard to do that. Uh, when it comes to the industry, that I've seen great strides in the last few years, you know, Moonlight won Best Picture, uh, Twelve Years a Slave won Best Picture, Parasite won Best Picture. It's it's like there is some shifts happening. There are you can uh, connect that to our political climate, what's going on, you know, who whose fault it really is, but there there are very vocal and emboldened people who are fighting against that positive change that's been occurring. Um, One of the great things I loved Variety for, you know, before, so, you know, and Variety before I got, you know, in the last year before, you know, I got here, wasn't like, you know, the most culturally diverse place, you know, with like all these different, like writers and stuff, you know, there's still a lot of work to do in in the journalism uh, space. Um, however, you know, the, I've you know, the Academy announced their their rules and standards. And I got to write about it. I got to write it from the from a point of view of someone that's a person of, of of color, and I think that in itself was was really gratifying and felt I felt emboldened to just be like, all right, like I can do this. Like I can, I can you know, I've never been afraid to say what I what I want or what I think or how I think things should go. And you know I've, I've garnered a following over uh, the years, but Variety has uh, afforded opportunities to have a platform that I never thought possible. Granted, now the floodgates are open to a lot more of the negative, uh, ignorant space of, of the, you know, the trolls are, are, are working overtime, but they, uh, this, is, this is an exciting time for movies. I, I, I reject the narrative that movies are dead, reject it swiftly and very, very aggressively. Like they exist, there's plenty of them. A lot are gonna get pushed out, but it gives you the opportunity to discover things that you've never seen before. I think one of the big things I talked about earlier about access, I just spoke about it recently with Spike Lee. Uh, I had an interview, I interviewed Spike Lee my first few weeks here, had a sit down with him. Uh, Minority groups, especially we we don't know about our culture and a lot of it is because, you know, we don't know what we don't know. If it's not there for us to experience and to discover, we can't, we can't find, we can't, we can't see these things. Like, you know, I have cinematic blind spots. I put in my first call, my first, uh, my, my second column after the Chadwick piece, did my introduction of like who I am because people didn't know who I was. And I talked about my syn- cinematic blind spots that people get embarrassed. Like, you know, I think we all have them, but a lot of people don't like to talk about them. Like I've never seen Casablanca, you know, and is like a curse word to people like how dare you like not ever see this movie like when was i supposed to see it like 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 i I didn't go to film school my my schools didn't have like like you're lucky i've seen like a lot of like all my academy like especially deep dive history has happened within the last like 15 years like i'm i've been catching up with a lot of things but also keeping up with what's happening now so you know you have to do the work to go back, but I've loved discovering movies that, especially like that are like in the cinematic stratosphere that people talk so highly about. And then having a different opinion on it and experiencing it for the first time as an adult versus, you know, just being told it was good your whole life.
0: I yeah, I, I was thinking about my own uh, coming up as well. I did not go to film school. I started as an actor and I learned on, on set like, thought, hey, I want to do that. I want to write. I want to direct. And there is that you and me saying I didn't see The Wire. There's certain people who are like, what? How could you not see The Wire? Yeah. The Wire is one of the best ten, you know, top ten um, shows of TV, all time. TV shows of all time, right? But just today I was doing another live stream and I'm doing a, a film tomorrow. We're doing a fun little campy horror film called Killer Couch. And then two people instantly said, "Have you seen Tiny Furniture by Lena Dunham? Have you seen Puppy Chair by the Duplass Brothers?" I was like, "I haven't seen these two iconic films by these filmmakers." Yeah. There is, there's just so much out there. There is so much out there. Yeah, and and, and listen, I, what, and I say this, I say this with I say this with love,
2: but I also say it like exposing myself here as well. I think there are a lot of critics journalists like people like people might I'm like I'm not that old but I'm not that young like that they have never seen a lot of a lot of these movies like I, I like I saw eight and a half for the first time like in the last like four years like there's just like a lot of things that you you, you just like if you don't if you're not supposed to you don't do it like a lot of the older movies I saw were because if anyone's a, a East Coast New Yorker, can talk to this. Uh, I saw Channel Eleven WPIX every every Saturday uh, afternoon. They used to play like old movies and stuff like that. That's not like I discovered like batteries not included in cocoon like they just play them on repeat and stuff like that. You know, we, we that's how you discover certain. Like my my wife loves Alfred Hitchcock. She discovered it because in high school her teacher was out in the sub threw on. Um, uh, rope or Dylan, uh, yeah, rope. uh Just on the class, and she, the class was like talking or whatever, and she was just like capt. Never saw an Alfred Hitchcock movie before, was just mm. captivated by it. You know, that, that that's a lot of people's like entryway into it, and it's okay. Yeah. And don't you keep, you know, maturing your palate and ex- experiencing those things. Like as I said, there's a lot of movies out this year, but a lot of people don't know about them or make time for them. Like Miss Juneteenth is a thing this year. Guys should mm. go see it if you haven't seen it. You know, it's it's available. Like VOD has offered up some opportunities there. Documentaries are movies. Watch a doc, watch a foreign film. People say I don't want to read. That's like one of the like worst things like we hear. I don't don't like to read. Parasite Parasite won for a reason. It wasn't the only foreign film that's been worthy of winning Best Picture before. So
0: Go for if, it. You do, if you do, if you don't like to read, if you want to be in the film industry, just read Variety <laughs> magazine. <laughs> read Clayton. Okay, so Clayton, let me ask you this question because I um, ever since I was little, too, my fascination was always acting. It's now you know switched to the filmmaking world. But I grew up watching TV shows. I grew up watching the the Emmys and the the Oscars and everything. Not everybody, but a lot of people dream about like, how do I be there someday? Like that's kind of. <laughs> my, um, you know, my guilty pleasure, like you go, Oh, you practice your little award speech. And, uh, a friend of mine, I'm going to pull up his, his, cause I want to talk about how awards and TV kind of play into this culture that we're into yeah. right now. But, uh, he wrote did this little funny little doodle. It says, the world is on fire. Me, what time are the Emmys? Also yeah. me. <laughs> like there's this challenge. This is a that's a shout out to Marcus Robinson. So a huge shout out to you, Marcus. But how do you navigate the challenge of, you know, being a cultural advocate, a TV and film lover in the midst of the crumbling of our world and society at large? Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, listen. Like, it, it, it's real. We're in pain. Like I said, I'm, I'm. I live in Jersey City, right across from Manhattan. We were COVID central early on. Went through, like, you know, I'll never forget April, like it was like maybe April 15th. And when, when the pandemic started, we, uh, you know, it was bad weather on the East Coast, which actually made it easier to deal with the lockdown because you just kind of tell yourself like it's dancing outside, I wasn't going to go outside anyway. Yeah. We had our very first nice uh, day and I went for a bike ride and was not prepared for it. Cried the whole time because mm-hmm. then you saw the makeshift memorials. And you saw all the gates closed. And then the the, the best analogy I can give, because people are like, how did it feel? And I said, if you know the Avengers, it feels like Thanos snapped his fingers. Wow. That's exactly what it felt like. And it's been hard this entire time. And we've looked for outlets. My entire life, film is art. Art is film. Art is my outlet. And I will live and die by it. And it can bring the darkest times to light and and listen, award, like the, the show itself, like the Emmys and stuff like those things aren't like important. The productions of them, like, you know, th- that part is not what's really important. I love the Oscars and I love the Emmys and I love all award shows because I feel that they give a great snapshot of the year. And it's not about what they Nominated or what they awarded, it's about what they didn't too. You can still tell the story of what's going on there when you know when you're looking at a film year. Like people know Citizen Kane, like you, you say to any film circle, general people know it, but uh Citizen Kane didn't win Best Picture, and normal people don't know what won Best Picture that year. It was How Green Was My Valley, by the way, but no one talks about it, like. People talk about Citizen Kane. Vertigo, one of the greatest films of all time, not nominated for Best Picture. You know, The Dark Knight getting snubbed for Best Picture propelled the Academy to expand their Best Picture from five to 10. So you get a story in every film year. And I think uh, this year we're going to have a story. (laughs) Listen, I think whatever wins Best Picture this year, obviously I I, I joke, but not really, that they're going to have like an asterisk next to their Best Picture win for all time. You know, because it's always gonna be like, yeah, you won in COVID. Good, good for you. Like, you know, I think a lot of that's gonna happen. But listen, it's gonna. We have a, it's a long way to go, and you know, if, if we're not, if, if you don't want me, to, if people are like, you know, how can you talk about words right now? Okay, what well, do what do you want me to talk about? Like, I, 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 I'm, I mean, I'm I'm doing my part talking about the. You should vote, wear a mask, wash your hands, stop being a jerk. Like those things are important to me. I can also talk about some happy things too, like. Film, there's just good movies. Make sure, make sure you're making time for them. Yeah, it can get you get you through some some tough tough moments.
0: Yes.
1: So what what are your thoughts on awards and the subjectivity of arts? Do you feel like it inhibits our creativity?
2: Uh so you think when you, uh, awards in general, like as like holding artists back.
1: Yeah. So for instance, you know, they have the new criteria and you have- Oh, okay.
2: So- referring to the criteria.
1: Yeah. How does that impact our creativity? Do you think it's
2: positive? No, it doesn't at all. Uh, and I reject uh, the, the the narrative that's been spoken by a lot of uh, Academy members about it. Like you're infringing upon my art. I, I, I did an article right after uh, talking about how it should be embraced no lie probably that day or the day before it's right around that time vigo mortensen uh three three-time oscar nominated actor i was at the toronto film festival with his film falling that he wrote directed and starred in. Uh, and he was like oh no at the end of the day this is exclusion and um you know that that's not right you know and then he brought and he used uh the film of last year my favorite film of last year by the way 1917 Mm-hmm. that it wouldn't qualify under their under standards. It's completely wrong and false. People look at headlines and they see diversity and inclusion. I have to put a black person in a movie. That's what they see. And that's what they're running with. And it's not, and it's not that. Sorry about that. Uh, and it's not, that's not what it is. It is 1917 qualifies under, under the guidelines. The the Academy's gesture, I think it's a brave gesture. Leaves itself open many loopholes like you know you start an internship program mm-hmm. and make sure you have a you know a person of color on your senior exec staff you can make the same exact movies all white all time for the rest of your life and still qualify for best picture that's if you're not embracing the the message of this um but it's not infring but I went back and it's hard to do it without knowing the numbers like because you have to know like headcounts and stuff like that I went back to 2010 all films that were nominated and one best picture qualify under the standards. Uh, I went back to 2000 and I was like, I could say it like 95% sure all those films qualify. And there was a guy on Twitter that actually went back to the 1970s and said all movies back to 1970. Also qualify under the standards, which then which, which proposes a very, very interesting question. If all that qualifies, then what is this for? Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's, a, it's a fair question. Mm-hmm. I think the Academy has time to work itself out. These aren't in effect till 2024, mm-hmm. that time. So we'll we'll see what it looks like. I, I'm curious about it. I, I like to see where it goes.
1: Clayton, what are you hoping it looks like? Like we, we hear the new criteria and like you said, some people think, oh, it has to have a black person. But what are you hoping to see? I think everyone is kind of hoping to see themselves reflected. I think representation is huge and everyone wants that. Do you yep. think 24, the public film lovers, are we going to start seeing better representation
2: across the board? Um, So uh, pre- preview of my, my interview with Spike Lee, he said he, he, he quotes uh, Hamilton when he talks about this. Gotta be in the room where it happens. Mm. You know? Uh, you need people in the room that say yes to this film or no to that film. To be representative of what is coming out, uh, or what can what can be uh, released? There, I I would love to. I mean, listen, I want to see, I want to see it all. You know, Spike Lee. I keep bringing him up. But it's just like the most most apparent on my mind. But uh, Spike Lee did do the right thing in nineteen eighty nine. Nineteen eighty nine, do the right thing. The first active snub that was like culturally like heard. On a widespread scale, everyone was like Spike Lee didn't get nominated for best director. The film wasn't nominated best picture. Driving Miss Daisy won best picture that year, right? Uh, and people were like, "This is crap." Blah blah. At that point, no black person had ever been nominated for a director. Uh, three years later, nice 24 year old young cat at a film school, John Singleton, made his first movie, Boys in the Hood. Young, still to this day, the youngest person to ever be nominated for best director first Black person uh, nominated for Best Director. That was 28 years ago. We've had six Black directors since that time. Spike was the last one, got his first director nomination for Black Klansman in 2018. We have still yet to have a Black woman nominated for directing. Ava Duvarney exists. I've seen her movies. I don't know what they're waiting for. Dee Reese made Bud- Mudbound. They could have done it then. There's been plenty of opportunity there. Uh, we'd see more women directed in director, period. Asian is worse. No Asian woman has ever been nominated for best picture or director or screenplay. And we have Chloe Zhao from Nomad Land this year, who could tie Warren Beatty as receiving the most Oscar nominations on Oscar Morning if Nomad Land goes as I think it's going to go, because she wrote, directed, produced, and edited
0: the movie. Wow.
2: That's what I want to see. I want to see more Chloe Zhao's out there. Wow.
0: That's amazing. We need to get into that with our last few minutes. I know you have to go. Can you give us, you just you just put your Oscar predictions out there. We will put this in the chat and in the show notes. But what highlights do you want to talk about, Clayton? Oh,
2: you? my God. So many. Um, I just saw Trial of Chicago 7. It's it's dope. Uh, it's really, really good. Um, Minari is... A dream of a film. Uh, another Asian director, Lee Isaac Chung. Uh, it's distributed by 824. It's fantastic. It stars Steven Yan It's great.
0: I saw Minari uh, at Sundance. That was so good. Minari's good.
2: Minari's so good. good. Minari's really good. Um, I'm so excited for Judas and the Black Messiah. Like Fun fun story about that. One of the co-writers of Judas and the Black Messiah. You guys know the Lucas Brothers stand-up duo, uh, twin duo act. They co-wrote the movie. Keith Lucas Used to write for me at awards or before uh, he went to go do stand up. Him and I are like good friends. Awesome. Like, I, I, I love that. Good. Um, and look, he, he made it. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, the last Chadwick Boseman movie. Uh, hearing great things about it. Can't wait to see it. Uh, then, you know, Jennifer Hudson's going to kill it with respect. Audrey Day is going to be Billie Holiday this year. Uh, Carrie Mulligan in Promise Young Woman is good. There's a lot. Delroy Lindon in Divide Bloods, I think, is, is excellent. I broke the story that he's going to be campaign and lead actor. Could be our fifth uh, Black actor to win Best Actor, uh, which would be great. I'm sad that all our pretty much like our, our one big chance of Latino representation in acting categories was moved out West Side Story. -hmm. Um and then uh in the heights was supposed to come out this year. Obviously, got pushed back to next year early on, but next year I'm I'm excited for some some Latino movies to make some noise.
0: Yeah, our programmer Robertino was just commenting on that. Uh it's such a bummer that it got pushed out from uh 2020 to 2021. Well, Clayton, uh, thank you so much. We've got people just saying uh congratulations, glad things Uh, are changing. Uh, you're making a positive impact, changing the trajectory in media. Uh, anything else you want to say, just as you kind of wrap up our conversation? About- uh, you know, I, I mean,
2: obviously, like, you know, seek out movies you've never seen before. Do that. Like, just pick something on Netflix and just go. Um, but more importantly, most importantly, make sure, go check to see if you're registered to vote. Yes. And vote on November 3rd. And let's try to get back to something i can't i won't even say normal because I, I think it's an icky word to say
0: let's get back to something that's not what is right now right on fully fully gotta gotta be in the room where it happens you said earlier seek out movies you've never seen before that's fantastic thank you so One much night in
2: miami go go see it leslie odom jr's and that. that movie's amazing Regina King can direct a movie. Get
0: ready! Oh, that's right. She had her directorial debut, and she's just making waves in Venice. Right? She's and gonna
2: she's gonna be our first black woman nominated for director this year. I called uh, it. That's cool. And, gonna... and just one little bit. I I can't leave that on the table without saying that <laughs> Regina King not only will be the first black woman nominated for director, she will be the first actor that ever won an Oscar for acting and then returned to get nominated <laughs> for best director. Lawrence
0: Olivier couldn't even do it wow that's huge this My is girl this is she's great she's, she's this is queen this was some hot hot takes today thank you so much for your time Clean. i really thank appreciate you for it.
2: Having me uh, please guys be safe thank you i'll come back anytime so. all right
0: we will hit you up and stay on so we can get your uh or I'll, I'll email you for your address so we can send you a, you oh, are cool. the story shirt. yeah is the follow, follow Clayton at Awards Circuit, and as we uh, launch out here, take a look at what's coming up and how you yourself can sign up for our short film workshop and or get our uh, infamous uh, merchandise as well. Stick around. That was awesome. We're still live, Christina, but any final comments on that? That was great to have, Clayton, huh? Can you hear me? I can't no, hear I think you. I lost you. I'm <laughs> reading <lips>. we... Okay, <laughs> she's reading lips, but uh, that was it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have any questions, uh, you want to get involved in what we're doing here at Brave Maker, go to our website, bravemaker.com. We are, of course, a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we truly depend on your generous giving. Could I ask you to consider giving $5 a month, $25, $50 bucks a month? Go to bravemaker.com slash donate, or you can use your cell phone, literally dial um, text BraveMaker to 44321 take your cell phone and just text 44321 the word brave maker and right on your phone you will get the ability to give right here i would love you all to consider supporting our work because we want to keep going and uh, beat this pandemic we're not going to go under so thanks so much brave stories change the world and you are the story we'll see you next time see you everybody
1: thanks for listening to the brave maker podcast subscribe Give us a rating and share with a friend. BraveMaker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax-deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Brave stories change the world. You are the story.